0: What is up, everyone? I'm Ryan from Fireside Knicks with my friend and co-host Dylan Backer. And the Knicks dropped game one of a pretty big series for the Knicks, obviously. It's the postseason, but I-, I felt like these two games were huge for the Knicks because they had home court advantage. And if you were the Miami Heat, you just needed to grab one of these games. And now they have one with a chance to take two. Um, You know, obviously, if the Knicks were to go down 2-0 heading to Miami, that would be you know, nightmare situation, but, um, if the Knicks can rebound and, and grab a game in game two, um, you know, now you even it out a little bit and now you just got to go into Miami and take care of business, which they've shown they can do in the past. Um, but you know, one of the big things from one of the big themes from that game from last night's game was the shooting, right? Not just the free throw line where they shot 40, 60% on 20 attempts, but from three, seven for 34. It, I mean, I felt like when I was watching that game, I, I felt like they just, I could not trust them to get an open shot. Um, you know, you feel like you're not going to repeat a performance like that, but when we were talking about this Miami series, we mentioned, you know, you can hold the Cavs to under a hundred points. You're going to score 101 points to beat that team, Miami. You can't necessarily do that. Jimmy Butler is way too good to do that for um, you know they are a much more polished postseason team that team just took down the, the Milwaukee Bucks they feel pretty invincible right now they're not a team that's questioning their confidence you know you mentioned this with the comments um, at, when we talked about that series and the, the preview for the Miami series that you know the, the Cavs sounded just like defeated you know we couldn't handle the or the lights were brighter than we expected just the not just they they seemed either a unprepared for the postseason or b just not ready to handle it there are no questions about whether this might Miami team is ready to handle the postseason. Um, they've been in underdogs before. Eric Spolstra was very, very aware of how good this Knicks team is, and he had a great defense. He he knew that this team was going to be a tough offensive and defensive assignment. Um, and we have our, we have a work cut out for us. Miami's not going to be a pushover. I know we expected that, but um, yeah, no. This is this is now a must win in game two. But before we talk about game two, we're going to talk about game one. Dylan, what were your takeaways from that game? What did you feel like the Knicks did well? What did you feel like obviously they did poorly? Uh, let's get into that
1: right I mean so you know first off you know I guess we'll start with what they did well they were finishing in the paint pretty well. You know, I don't ha- I don't have the specific stats in front of me, but, you know, just watching the game, you could see, like, you know, they were scoring in the paint very well. I did see a stat this morning that said Jalen Brunson was 10 of 13 in shots inside the paint. That's very good to see. You know, RJ Barrett was doing his thing, too, from inside the paint. You know, they were doing good in that regard. But I think everyone knows that they just completely flat-out stunk from three-point line. You know, they were 7 of 34 from three. That's never ideal in any game, nevertheless a playoff game. You know, and looking at this, the only Nick that shot that made multiple three-pointers was Obi Toppin, who started that game in place of an injured Julius Randle. He went four for 11, which is 30 to 36% from three. You know, that's not, like, phenomenal, but that's also, you know, given how bad everyone else shot, that's an acceptable shooting performance. You know, looking up and down this stat sheet there's just bricks all over the place. R.J. Barrett was 1-for-5 from 3. Jalen Brunson was 0-for-7 from 3. Josh Hart was 0-for-4 from 3. Manuel Quickly was 1-for-4 from 3. Quentin Grimes was 1-for-3 from 3. It was not pretty. You know, it was very, very rough to see. The shooting was just not there. You know, and like I said before, you know, the third quarter was really what killed us. You know, looking at this here right here, the, the Knicks were in control the first half. I mean, they had... Exited the first quarter up 32-21. You know, they had a really good first quarter, it felt like. You know, they weren't shooting well, but they were making their inside shots. Second quarter, you know, they ended the half up by five. They, they, Miami had a good second quarter, but you were hoping maybe a clean clean second half would, you know, get you that win. Completely unraveled from there. Third quarter, they get outscored 31-20. You know, big shots were hit by, like, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, Gabe Vincent. You know, they just fell apart from there. Fourth quarter, they started to come back a little bit. They cut it to within three. And then a key missed rebound from Mitch really, really ruined it because, you know, he he looked like he had the rebound, got poked out of his hands, and then about five seconds later, Gabe Vincent hit a three to put Miami back up six. And you kind of just felt like after that that you missed your chance. That's over. Miami's going to end up taking that game. And sure enough, Miami would go on to win that game. And, you know, Looking at the stat sheet here as well, Jimmy Butler had 25, 11, and 4, which is a really good game, but you don't really feel like he, like, killed you in a sense, like how he's been doing all these playoffs and what he did against the Bucks. you, you feel like you held him down to, you know, a good enough degree to win the game, you know what I mean? 25 points is a lot, don't get me wrong, but he didn't drop 40, you know, so, like, you felt like you did what you were supposed to do to limit him. Sure enough, they weren't able to still win because, you know, they just did not guard the three ball very well. Miami went 33% from three, which is not fantastic, but, it's all, but you know, clearly it was enough for them to win the game. Gabe Vincent went five of 12 from three, and quite frankly, he hit like three or four of those in the first five minutes of the game. You can't let that happen. You can't let that happen. You cannot let him go off like that, especially in the playoffs. You just can't do it. Kyle Lowry also had went three of six from three and with 18 points off the bench. That's another thing you can't do. You can't let these get let those small guards do that to you when you have when your your whole like thing as a Knicks team here is defense and you have guys that you're supposed to be able to match up with these guys pretty well and you're letting up three pointers like that. You can't let that happen. You just can't. You know it was not a pretty display really on either side of the ball, quite frankly. You know I mean they looked like they did good in the first half and it just. Just looked completely, completely dismantled in the second half. It was a very rough game. Obviously, they weren't, they didn't have Julius Randle. That's a key miss. You know, they need him. Clearly, they need him. They were missing that big time. You know what I mean? So, hopefully, he's ready for game two. But those, those are some of my takeaways on game one. What is your, Brian? Bi- what is your biggest takeaway really from game one? You know, obviously, there was three-point shooting, but was there something else really that stood out to you in game one, good or
0: bad? Yeah, I think one of the big things was just—I actually felt like they didn't—like you mentioned this with Jimmy Butler. I I felt like they did enough defensively to win. I feel like if you hold an NBA team to 108 points, especially in today's landscape, you should win that game. Um, You know, the Knicks just didn't do enough offensively. Uh, 34 shot attempts from three and you make seven of them. I, I just, I don't feel like they're going to do that again. Um, We talked about this in the Cavs series where it was like, they didn't play their best basketball and still beat the Cavs. And you feel like at some point, that three-point shooting has to get better. I understand the postseason, it's tough for you to, um, you know, reliably hit shots. But I feel like that typically happens in the paint. I feel like your three-point shooting doesn't get that much worse in the postseason. Um, I get it. You know, some guys are going to throw doubles. Uh, you know, there's better defensive schemes. I get that. Um, but as you mentioned, the Knicks were good in the paint. R.J. Barrett, right? Like he was he got his right rj barrett's whatever adjustment he's made in his offensive game plan has worked because he's scoring efficiently he's doing it well i'm very pleased with rj barrett's doing for this Knicks team and i'm someone who was down on rj barrett after those first two games i was like what the hell do you do with this guy right now because he's hurting the team and you know end of the day i'm not going to sit here and say that like Um, the Knicks are going to start shooting 50% from three or anything of the sort, but if they shot 33% from three, like the heat did, they win this game very handedly. They would have blown the, they would have beaten the brakes off the heat. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, saying that, cause obviously if I was a Knicks fan, hearing a heat fan say that I understand that the perception of that would be, Oh, so you think that we're not that good. But the perception from that for me is the way I'm intending that to say that is that the Knicks didn't hit their shots. You can't change that. But if the Knicks can't hit their shots, I feel confident in this series. I still feel like the, you know the roster does not change game to game, right? That's one of the really nice things, right? One of the nice things about basketball and any sport is that game to game, unlike in the NFL where it's a one and done, right? You know you can lose one game and you can go out and you can bounce back the next day or in the next game. Excuse me. They did have Julius Randle. Um, I know Toppin, as you mentioned, hit some pretty big threes, but I feel. Like you do miss Julius Vandal's presence. Um, You know, he is one of the best scorers on this team, and this team was really not finding it offensively. Randall is someone who's just not afraid to keep shooting. He is not afraid. He is never afraid to shoot. He's never afraid to take a big shot. He's never afraid to do that. He's never walked away from the big moment. You can say he's fallen short at times, but you can never say that he's passing up the op- he's passed up the opportunity to be the hero when given the chance. Um, and I think that you know having him back at some point in this series is going to be a big help. It's going to be a big lift for this offense. Um, they just they need to win Game Two though. They absolutely 100% need to win Game Two. And then if you go into Miami and you're able to take two of those three games, you would come back to New York with two, you would come back to New York with two chances. Really. I know it's not how the schedule works, but, um, you would have two chances in New York, um, to close out that series. And, and that's really how I, the, the way I view it is you take this game and then you go to Miami and take two out of three. That's your game plan, right? Yeah. You, you take two out of three on the road and, and you've, you're going to win this series. Um, obviously you're no longer able to sweep at home. I guess if you win the next three games at home, um, that you play in this series and you take one of those road games, you feel good. Um, but I would prefer to just... I don't want this series to go to seven. I, I don't want to ha- be in a game seven with Jimmy Butler. Uh, I know that, again, he didn't kill us, but that is a that is an assassin right there. He's cold-blooded. He is he's a killer. Uh, and he, when he smells blood in the waters, he will go out and he will hunt. Um, but, you know, I, I talked about this with Quinn and Grimes where I felt like he was an X-factor because the Knicks, if they needed a couple of big threes here and there, he could give them that. He only played 10 minutes. Obviously, he's dealing with his shoulder stuff. Um, and he only got to take three shots, all of them threes, you know, you feel like, again, this game, you were a three or two away. You mentioned the Mitchell Robinson rebound. Let's say the Mitch, that Mitch comes down with that and that the Knicks Go on the next possession to hit a three. I'm not saying they win the game, but that changes things, right? This is a momentum-oriented sport. You know, you see teams go on 10-0 runs and then the coach has, you know, Knicks, you know, Knicks or Miami are going to have to call a timeout and try to stop the bleeding. Um, you know, when you do stuff like that, when you're able to go on those runs and put pressure on their defenses, on you know, you put pressure on the defense, you put pressure on the offense to come up with a big shot and to try to create a big shot. You know, you you kind of put pressure on the team to, to have to make quick decisions and not everyone's capable of making quick decisions in the NBA. That's what separates super star level players star level players good role players rotation players all that stuff um but you know looking ahead a little bit here in game two you know i know randall's availability is a big question mark here but who are you looking for to step up who are you looking for from this game one uh who from guys who struggled in game one to to have a bigger game in game two because they're gonna need to win this game it's a must win for me i don't know if you agree with me there Right.
1: So first off, yeah, game two is absolutely a must win now at this point. You can't drop both games at home, especially when you have Madison Square Garden as your home court. You can't drop them both. Not in the playoffs, because if you do, you're going to be buried so far deep. It's going to be such an uphill climb to win that series. You got to win game two. You have to. You should have won game one. You know, you you lost. So shake it off. And win game two. That's the way I see it. And for um, who I think should step up, I think it's Jalen Brunson. You know, and you may think, oh, Jalen Brunson had 25, five and seven <clears throat> last game, though in game one, but he shot 0 for seven from three. You know what I mean? We need to see that three ball fall. And like you said, you know, we mentioned last epi- in a previous episode about how Quentin Grimes, you know, if he's just like hits two or three big threes, you know, it makes a big difference. You can make that argument for almost anyone on this Knicks team at this point. Because, you know, quite frankly, not a single Knicks player is shooting well from three this entire postseason. The team overall is shooting 26% from three. That's not good. That's pretty bad, right? The fact that they won Cleveland in five games despite shooting that bad should either be a testament to either how bad Cleveland played or how well we played defensively. You could go either way with that one. But like I, like I was saying you could make that argument that just two or three big threes, that whole big thing. You can make that argument with anyone on this Knicks team at this point. I think you can make that argument with Jalen Brunson for certain, because Jalen Brunson is usually the guy who is, of course, going to be taking the most shots. The guy who's going to be taking the sh- taking the shots in the closing minutes in the close game. You know what I mean? If he doesn't shoot zero for seven from three, I feel like we probably win that game. You know, even just one or two threes from him could get the rest of the team going. You know what I mean? So. Looking at that, I think Brunson is the guy to step up a little bit. You know, obviously he did great in the paint. I love seeing that. That's his. That's his bread and butter. He does it all the time. I love seeing that. Just want to see that three-wall fall. You know, I don't want to see 0 for 7 from 3 or, like, 1 for 9 type shooting performances. You know, and Brunson knows that. He had a quote after the game. He said he played terrible, and he knows he played terrible, and he needs to just be better. You know, he's been pretty accountable all year about how he's played, and he's still doing that right now in the playoffs, and he's had that leadership mentality of, like, you know, we can't take our foot off the gas. we got to play better. There are things we need to improve on. That's what I like to see out of that. So I want to see him translate that onto the court with, you know, hitting those threes or hitting those big shots. Whatever the case is. So he's my guy to watch for. You know, I don't know if you uh, agree with me on that, but I do think Brunson is the main guy to watch for. You know, obviously, Julius Randle's availability, like you said, it's uncertain. We don't know if he's going to play in game two. We thought he was going to play in game one, but apparently he wasn't able to go. You know, it happens. He did twist his ankle pretty bad. So, you know, hopefully he heals up and hopefully he feels better enough for game two because the Knicks are going to need him. You know, so I I guess that'll be my next question to you. Do you like how important just is Julius Randle's presence to this team right now? I know we, we touched on a little bit earlier, but I kind of want to go a little more in-depth about
0: it because I do think
1: it is a key difference to the rest of the series. So what do you think about that?
0: No, I think you're 100% right about the situation with Jalen Brunson and his shooting from three, right? You know, you need him to hit those shots from three. He is, we've gotten reliable three-point shooting from him all year, um, and if you don't have in the postseason, that's a that's a huge loss through his spacing. Um, I again, the, the talent level on this team hasn't changed, right? Um, Josh Hart didn't have a great shooting performance from three; he went over four, I believe. That does not make Josh Hart a bad shooter. Uh, Jalen Brunson did not have a great shooting performance from three; that does not make him a bad shooter. It just means he didn't shoot well in game one. Take those shots in game two. I I I I, I guarantee you, if you if everyone on that team was allowed to take the same shots from three that they did in that in game one. I think you might actually get like an actually pretty good shooting performance in that same game if you re if you re-simulated that obviously and again not saying that you can you know wins and losses are determined whether uh determined by you know whether you know if you re simulate the game it'll go better for you or not the knicks lost game one definitively they did not win game one they did not play well enough to win game one they took open shots and they did not make them you should lose a game if you do that um but I feel confident in the the talent on this roster to rebound. I also feel confident in the personalities and the guys in that locker room to rebound. Um, This team has gone through ups and downs. This team has faced adversity multiple times throughout the season. This team has gone through... About as much as you can go through uh, for a team. They were awful in the first month of the season, right? Everyone was writing them off. There was no reason to believe in that team. It felt like at at certain points and they turned around. They were a team that couldn't close out in the fourth quarter uh, for most of the winter, right? Until they got Josh Hart. uh, You think of that disaster, that nightmare game that I wish I could forget against Dallas uh, where, you know, you're up big, not a lot of time left. You got like a 99% chance to win the game and you just blow it, right? You just shot after shot, poor decision after poor decision a game that the Knicks should have won they didn't win um you know it it feels like they're there that is in the past for them and that they've gotten better as the season's gone on RJ Barrett has had you know I don't I'm gonna say this again now I get it you know we can have discussions about RJ Barrett's fit on this team in the summer fine but um he's not he's not hurting himself by having a good postseason I'll tell you that right him figuring out his shot in the postseason realizing hey I can't hit threes right now so I'm just gonna drive to the paint that's going to help him. That's going to help his future on this team. That's going to help this team. Um, Obi Toppin going from a guy that I genuinely was like, hey, maybe you should just give McBride's minutes to him because McBride can provide you defense to, all right, you know, Randall's out and he's not playing too bad. He's, you know, again, 36% from three on 11 attempts is better than what I expect from Obi Toppin. He shot seven for 15 from the floor and gave you 18 points. You can't be mad about that. Seven to 18 points and eight rebounds. What am I going to sit here and be mad about? That's a good performance. Um, you know, he's got out and had a pretty strong postseason. Um, you know, end of the day, you, you feel like the talent on the roster is there. The personalities on the rosters are there. Um, they have a next man up mentality. It doesn't matter who they lose. They will have someone step up. Um, it's just a matter of them putting, you know, executing the game plans that they've had all year. You know, I know that a lot of the blame at times goes to Thibodeau, at least early in the season. And I, I'm no better than that. I was one of the people just blaming Thibodeau for everything. Um, but I feel like he's put this team in a position to win. I felt like in that game, I don't think he did much to hurt the team at all. I feel like all postseason he's, you know, he's staggered the minutes. Well, he's. Given them offensive sets and defensive possessions for them to go out and take advantage of, and the players didn't execute. That happens, right? Um, if the postseason went perfectly for the Knicks, we wouldn't have gone to five games against the Cavs. We would be sitting here talking about how we're undefeated in the postseason, right? But that's not how the playoffs work, unfortunately. You're going to have days where you lose. You're going to have days where things look bleak. Um, but end of the day, it's just about execution, right? Um, I feel like you can agree with me here. It's just about executing. You have the talent. You have the players. You have the shot creation. You have the open shots. You have the defensive personnel. You just need to get Randall back. And I don't even need, think. I don't even want to say you just need to get Randall back. You just need to hit those shots. You would have won that game if you hit those shots. So, um, for my big takeaway, from my like big like, hey, this team needs to do X in game two. Hit your open shots. That's really it. You hit your open shots. You play the same game you had defensively. Maybe some marginal improvements on the rebounding side of the ball. Um, and you're gonna win this game. And you're gonna win game two. What do, what do you think about that?
1: No, I agree. I mean, they definitely could have just won that game if they just shot the ball better. You know, and like I was saying before, I do think not having Randall does make a big difference a little bit. You know, I know some people are going to be like, oh, it doesn't matter because Randall hasn't been shooting the ball well, blah, 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 blah. His presence, though, does make a difference because like you mentioned earlier – he's aggressive, he's willing to take every shot he could possibly take, he's not afraid to shoot the ball, you know, and when he gets going, we've seen, when he gets going, oh man he is tough to stop, you know, we've seen it against, you know, Minnesota early in the year, we saw it against Miami when he hit the game winner, you know, we've seen it a couple times this year where he is just unstoppable and, you know, having Randall out there too also helps with the rebounding game, people forget that Julius Randall was one of the best rebounders in the NBA this year, you know, he averaged 10 rebounds a game, that's not an accident, he is a good rebounder, you know, maybe, maybe on the defensive side you know things can be touched up a little bit but the fact that he was you know in the first round doing what he could do despite playing with an ankle injury I know he didn't play well in the first round but he played with an ankle injury and in game five he looked really good in the first half and then he hurt his ankle again you know we didn't see him again we still have yet to see him back on the floor but he started to look like he was getting it back a little bit you know he was doing all that while playing on a bum ankle which is a good sign to see So it's, it's a testament to his, you know, his workhorse mentality, his, you know, willingness to just go out there and try to do whatever he can to help the team win in desperate times like this, where you're in the playoffs and you got to win basically every game you can possibly win. You know, I like that about him. You know, I know some Knicks fans are not high on Randall's leadership or his, you know, his on-court, uh, you know, tantrums or whatever. Not saying all that stuff is acceptable, of course. You don't want on-court tantrums and all that. You want to keep things smoothly, you know, chemistry-wise. But sometimes when you're passionate about the game, it happens. You, you lose your cool and you get, you know, you get mad about stuff that isn't going your way because you want to win games. And that's what Julius Randle wants to do. He wants to win games. I feel like just with his aggressiveness and, his, you know, like I said, his workhorse mentality, his, you know, his willingness to do anything he can to help the team win, I think the Knicks were missing that in Game 1. They didn't really seem like you know, they just seemed lackadaisical at times. You know, there were too many times I noticed, you know, the Knicks kind of were just settling for long threes. Weren't really looking to create good shots or find good looks in the paint if the shots weren't falling. They were just hoping a three would fall and nothing was falling. And again, you know, they had good looks. I can't hate on it if they're taking good shots. But I can, I can you know, say some, criticize it a little bit. If it's not falling and they're continuing to do it. Because then you're just burying yourself at that point. And that's what they did in game one. You know, the shots weren't falling. The shots weren't falling from the start of the game onward. It's not like they were hitting it, hitting them at one point and then it got cold. No, they they were cold from three from the start of the game to the very end of the game. Sometimes you got to make an adjustment. They didn't make an adjustment. It seemed like they were kind of missing that extra, you know, that fire or that extra mentality a little bit. You know, they kind of were just... Kind of just lacks a school. It didn't really seem like they. I'm not saying they weren't trying. They were definitely trying, and they definitely played hard. But if you just it just felt like they were missing something. You felt Randall's non-presence on the court. You felt that you could feel he wasn't out there. You know, so that's my takeaway on it. I do think Randall is really important to the series. I think he's going to make a big difference. You know, if he doesn't play in game two, I feel like we. I have a bad feeling we could be in in for another rough night. Not saying that the daily guys can't turn it around and step up. I'm Not saying that they're going to shoot seven for thirty four from three again. I don't think that's going to happen again. But I do think you're missing something when you don't have Randall out there. You know wh-
0: what? do you think about that? I definitely agree. Look, um, if there if you're a Knicks fan questioning whether Julius Randall manages his team or not, look at his. St- please just look at his stat sheet. Um, I know that people are going to say, watch the games. You clearly don't watch the games if you think Julius Randle doesn't help this team. Look at the stat sheets. Look at the film. Look at the tape. Look, look at look at how this team plays with Julius Randle. Look at the aggressiveness he has. You mentioned it. Not just like la- it's not really lazy, but more so just lost, right? And you know what? Again, Julius Randle may take some bad shots at times, or he may force action. But Julius Randle is again not scared to shoot. And that's something that not saying a lot of the guys on the team are scared to shoot, but a lot of the guys on the team aren't having A, been number one options in their past, or B, Are not like, are just not experienced enough to say, All right, I have the ball. I am open for this three. I'm going to take this shot. Sometimes they're a little too committed to trying to make the right basketball play and play team basketball. This is Julius freaking Randall, okay? Julius freaking Randall, the team leader in points per game and a two time all star in the last three years. An excellent shooter from three this year, considering the volume. I know the percentage is pretty league average, but considering the volume, an excellent shooter for this team. A great scorer. You mentioned it. He brings intensity. I get it. Sometimes it boils over into tantrums, right? I, I understand, but it's intensity that this team needs. He's a leader in the locker room. He's a leader in the in the in, on this team. I think every single guy in the Knicks would tell you behind closed doors, not to the media behind closed doors that Julius Randle is a big part of what this team is doing. If you don't want to listen to the guys on the team, if you don't want to listen to the numbers, if you don't want to listen to the facts, then you're just lost. Um, I think you're right. I think I, I, and I, and I know I don't really do this enough, but, and I, and I appreciate that you did this, just hammering the point home that he freaking matters, man. This dude matters to this team. This dude matters to your chances of winning in the postseason. You can't sit back and say, eh, it's fine. He wasn't playing great in the Cavs series, so it's fine. The production that you get from Randle during the regular season aff- affected your ability to get to this position. You are not the five seed right now without Julius Randle. You would have faced the Sixers in the first round and no disrespect to the Knicks, but the Sixers are a better team than the Knicks. You can probably lose that series. We're probably just talking about, again, the draft, the offseason the uh you know post-mortem whatever you want to call it we're not talking about basketball right now we're not talking about games ahead of us we're talking about next year and i don't want to talk about next year right now i want to talk about right now i want to be able to talk about the next postseason series i want to be able to talk about uh, you know games two three four five hopefully talking about wins i I don't want to sit here and and we've done how many times have you had to you know go on twitter or go on social media or you know you just you know it's a a random day and man, you're looking for next year. No one, no Nick, every Knicks fan is tired of it, right? And Julius Randle is a big part of why we're not doing that right now. So if you're in the comment section, if you're in on social media and you're typing away and you're like, Julius Randle stinks or whatever, you're... I don't know what type of basketball you're watching. I don't know what you're watching, because every I think most reasonable Knicks fans know this dude's big for this team. Uh, literally. I mean he's 6'9 too. So that doesn't that definitely helps. Uh, especially with the Knicks establishing they can they can beat the Heat in the paint. You just need some threes to fall, but Randall's Randall can take advantage of that. So um end of the day. End of the day, Randall's huge for this team. If I if I I don't wanna like I don't wanna get ahead of myself and make it seem like, you know, Julius Randle versus not Julius Randle means life or death for the Knicks, but I'm implying it because it end, it could end up meaning life, or it couldn't end up meaning your season ends because of no Julius Randle. Um, but with that being said, game two obviously there's some stuff we don't know, um, so it's a little bit of like a hesitancy with score predictions here. Um, but I think personally, I've got the Knicks winning game two. I think they know it's a must win game. Um, I think they're going to hit their threes. I anticipate that Randle. I, I'm guessing Randle's going to be. I'm guessing he's going to be available. But even if he's not, I still feel I'm going to pick them to win. I've got them dropping 116 points. I've got the Heat scoring 110. I've got the Knicks in a, in edging them out just by the slimmest of margins. A big three here, a big three there in the fourth quarter ends up being the, the deciding factor for the Knicks. 116 to 110, Knicks win. Tie up the series, go to South Beach. What do you got for uh, game two?
1: Right. So, like, you know, first off, we obviously don't want to think too far ahead and assume Randall's going to play game two, because quite frankly, I think a lot of us thought Randall was for sure playing in game one. Turned out he was not playing game one. So clearly we can't predict that at this point. So we kind of just got to go with what we know so far. And right now, what we know so far is that Randall might not play game two. We don't know yet. We'll find out probably tomorrow or whenever the next game is. But regardless, you know, for a final score, I feel like the Knicks win this game for sure. I do think the Knicks win this game. I don't think they're going to let themselves drop two games at home at the Garden. I don't think they're going to do that. You know, like we've talked about before, they have the faces, they have the personalities, they have the mentality to come out and win the games and improve and just be better. Be a better basketball team, right? And, you know, I think if Randall does play, I feel like that'll make a difference, you know. You kind of have that energy back, you have that intensity back, you have the aggressiveness back, you have all those things that you were missing in game one back on the floor. You know, I'm not saying Julius Randle was a perfect player. You know, I know some people might, might think that like, oh, you know, Randle isn't perfect or Randle hasn't been doing good. I know. And I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he's the only guy on this team that matters. No, we have a bunch of guys on the team that matter. Every single one of them matters. You know, everyone single one of them needs to play an important role. But not having Randall does make a big difference. So we need to hope he's ready for game two. And I think we clearly were seeing that in game one. You know, were, like I said, you just felt his presence not being there. You felt it. You know, however, whichever way you wanted to feel it, were, you could tell that they were missing that. So hopefully he's back for game two for a final score prediction I say the Knicks will win this game like 110 103 and I give it a seven point lead because I do think they're gonna come out and play much more aggressive defensively I think they're gonna I think they'll shoot the ball better I will hope that they shoot the ball better you know 7 for 34 is not acceptable hopefully they have a good three-point shooting game because they've quite honestly yet to have one this entire postseason I think now is the time to turn that around and actually get some good shots up and make them. So I feel like they'll win this game by a decent margin. Do I think it'll be a blowout? No, I don't think it'll be a blowout. But I do think the Knicks will be in control of this game. They're not going to they are not gonna let themselves go down 2-0 well at home. They're not going to let themselves do that. I don't see this Knicks team doing that. This Knicks team is different than it was in the past. They look to win. They play hard. They play aggressive. They play from the opening tip to the final buzzer every single time. That's my score prediction. Do you have any final thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I
0: I agree. I think you're right about the shooting part. They just you feel like they can't shoot seven from 34 from three again. Um, but you know what? Um, I I think I think 110 to 103 actually is a little bit more uh, realistic than 116 to 110. Just based on the fact that, you know these two teams are gonna battle it out and these are very gritty teams. So uh, it's not like these are like this is like a Kings Warrior situation where it's like these are high flying offenses. Um, this is more of like a you know. They make the right basketball plays type of team, you know, a little more like gritty nitty, you know, all that stuff. Um, but with that being said, you know, um, I, I have a good feeling with this team. I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm sorry I, for as much as this team has, you know, been through this year. I can't. I'm just not ready to. I'm not. I'm never gonna be ready to call on this team. So you could be down three zero. I'll, I'll say, like, yeah, they have a good chance. There's a good chance they don't advance. It's a very good chance uh, they don't advance. But I'm not. I'm never counting them out until statistics, unless they lose four games in the series. I'm not counting them out. Um, but. With that being said thank you guys so much for, for listening to today's video we hope you guys enjoy today's video it's a little bit of a longer one but there's a lot to talk about so uh we appreciate you guys continued support make sure to like comment and subscribe let us know what you guys think drop your score predictions for game two i don't care if you're a nick fan i don't care if you're a heat fan i don't care if you don't watch the nba let us know what you guys think right we want to get all your perspectives in and of course you guys can check out our different social medias you have an instagram a TikTok, and of course a twitter page you can check out our personal twitter accounts they'll be above our heads and of course you guys can make sure to like comment and subscribe and don't forget to turn on post notifications so you guys know we're coming out with the next video i'm ryan garcia that's dylan backer we'll see you guys in the next episode peace out